The other day, Leo and I were in our backyard and we saw a butterfly fluttering across the green grass. It drew me to recall my freshman year of high school when I had an insect project assigned to me in my biology class. We were to catch, pin, and label 25 different insects upon a styrofoam board. Well, it was a day before the project was due, and, and my best friend, who was also a partner for, with me in this project, we were short a butterfly and a couple other insects. And while I am not proud of this, the truth is we went into my friend's basement and found his older sister's insect project. His older sister is five years older than us, her project five years old at that point. We saw she had a full 25 insects. We could just take a butterfly and a couple others and be done. Except we noticed that her dead insects looked especially dead. That butterfly was pretty colorless, noticeably brittle. In our infinite wisdom, we thought, well, let's put her project, this styrofoam tray with 25 bugs pinned with needles through them, let's put her project in a microwave. Surely that would bring back some of the color. So we did. Put the tray in the microwave and pressed on and and turned for a moment to attend to something else. And in one of the more memorable moments in my entire life, I turned back and looked in horror as those metal pins started to spark in this microwave of my friends, my parents' friends. And the insects, they begin to catch fire and splatter in all directions inside the microwave. Once a butterfly is caught, held, and pinned in one spot, I can tell you from ridiculous personal experience, the color fades, the body brittles, and that's just that. Isn't it something in our scripture today that at the moment Mary recognizes Jesus is not dead. Jesus has risen from the grave. Jesus has proven stronger than the powers of sin and death. Isn't it something that precisely the moment she stands before the full beauty of risen life, the first thing she tries to do is hold on to Jesus, to cling to him, to pin him down right there. She wants to keep Jesus near in the same way she knew Jesus near in the years prior to his resurrection. And who can blame her? Our passage begins with Mary weeping in the dark. Her friend, her teacher, her Lord, he's gone. Her way of doing life in these recent years completely overturned because now she can't follow him. She just wants to grieve properly at this point, anoint his body with some spices, and, and, and she laments that now it appears the body is even stolen. Grief upon grief. We may not know this depth of grief on this day, but I do think we've also known significant grief in recent days. Even as we do our best to stay positive, to stay upbeat, to take it one day at a time, I sense many in these extraordinary times of ours find ourselves at times inexplicably agitated over seemingly small things or extra tired even when some of us have more time for rest. 
or more easily exasperated over a child's homework or a, or a spouse's habit that suddenly we're noticing a lot more. Or we find ourselves just doing, doing, doing whatever we can do around the house so as not to have a moment to reflect on how we're doing. All of these and more are sometimes expressions of grief, I think. Unfolding because something deep within us recognizes that so much of life has been overturned and changed so quickly and fully as we try to slow the spread of this virus. And it's unclear when or if or to what degree we will have everything back like we once had it. Some things, of course, some jobs, some moments, some lives have already been lost. And so there, there is real grief. I remember when this new reality was just settling in around mid-March and I was, was trying to get my head around what it might mean for the church. At first I was like, oh, oh we're going to have to do services of worship and, and Sunday schools with everybody spaced six and ten feet apart. A few hours later I thought, oh, we might, we might need to figure out how to live stream or something for a week or two here. And then as it kept settling in, oh my, what about Easter? This could go on for a bit. I remember at one point saying to a handful of, of staff members, so what do you think if we could find a big field somewhere in the Georgetown area and we could do a true Easter we could park a truck right in the center of that field. And on the truck bed, we could put a pulpit. We could put the flower cross behind. We put the Easter lilies around the big truck. And then we'd have the cars, everybody drive up onto that field for Easter Sunday, socially distanced, just so with their vehicles. And then they'd be told to, to program into their radio, a certain radio station. We would have prepared for them to, to tune in and, and hear the service that way. I thought to myself, goodness, passing the peace, that, that sort of awkward thing for Presbyterians, that's going to be the best part of the service. Just waving madly at people you haven't seen for over a month. Hymns. I thought, if, again, if cars are socially distanced, just so, let's roll down those windows and sing it. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. And most important of all, in that vision, we were together on Easter Sunday. I could tell I was probably giving these staff members, I was definitely giving myself an anxiety attack as I thought about all of the logistics and the ways this could surely fail. After the rains last night, can you imagine how muddy that particular field is right now? The truth is, Behind all of that energy was grief. I have experienced the goodness of Jesus in and through so many in-person services of Easter worship, and I really wanted to reheat that butterfly, if at all possible. I imagine I'm not alone. It is an ongoing temptation. The moment we have an experience of the living, risen Jesus Christ and his love for us, his forgiveness. We experience him heal us, give us courage, show us our gifts, call us by name. The moment we know the presence of Jesus, truly animate our lives with love 
anchor our lives with hope. There is something in all of us that wants to then hold Jesus right there. Pin him to that spot. That way, those people. We experience one Jesus one way through a beautiful service of Easter, and so we need to do that service again. We experience Jesus one way at a previous church or a previous part of our life, and, and so we need to experience that at this church and, and this part of our life. We experience Jesus one way in a previous marriage or family or, or just our upbringing, and we need to reheat that again in this family because that's, that's how Jesus works. We understand G- Jesus theologically one way that, that anchored us years ago, and we cling to that to give us that same anchoring sense, even if it feels dry anymore. Mary walked with Jesus one way during her lifetime, during his lifetime, and, and here she wants to hold on to that. Have we ever tried to hold Jesus in one place? One way. Desperately hoping for a resuscitation. Same thing, just reheated. And at one level, who can blame a people standing in the dark of disorientation if they just ache to hold to that which is familiar? Do not hold on to me. Jesus tells Mary, do not cling to me, other translations put it. Do not pin me to this place in this way. For, as Jesus explains here and and more fully elsewhere, Jesus is going to the Father and will send his resurrection spirit to move in and through the church and the world in ways Mary cannot nearly comprehend as she holds him just so in just this spot. Resurrection proclaims that death, the finality of all finalities, has been defeated by Jesus. And therefore, Jesus has an unsurpassed, stunning freedom. He's utterly unbound. His spirit is free to show up and give life and hope and forgiveness in the most unexpected places, in the most unexpected ways. Do we not sing, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free? Have we seen the living, risen Jesus Christ in our midst in these recent days? Maybe like Mary, you thought it was just a gardener you were talking to. It was just your neighbor. It was just your inquisitive child. It was just a phone call from so-and-so. It's just a stranger asking for something. It was just regular old bread and wine. Or maybe you were looking in one direction and your soul was caught by something calling in precisely the other direction. I love how Mary turns to see Jesus when he calls her name. She wasn't even looking that way. But that's the point. We think it's an ordinary gardener. We think all the action is in the expected direction. In the church building, at the big event. But resurrection proclaims a living God who moves in freedom and in new ways we cannot ask for or imagine. And so we never know where or through whom he shall next bless, next call, next love. 
In fact, if we've learned anything about Jesus in the Bible, it's this. He is scandalously, beautifully unscrupulous about where he goes and with whom he keeps company. Which is to say, be sure and take a second look at some of the most unlikely places within and without. Some of the darkest places within and without. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Do not hold on to me. Rather, Jesus says, let me move. And then you go and tell the others that you've seen me alive. You've seen Jesus on the loose. You've seen Jesus moving with love and forgiveness in this world. In other words, church, simply tell the stories of unexpected beauty and darkness, of the living God speaking through the ordinary of the living, risen God calling by name precisely in the dark of night. Those are the Easter stories. Leo and I followed that multicolored butterfly all around the yard the other day. She fluttered without a discernible pattern. She paused and lingered for a few moments. She she settled upon a blade of grass for a while. She flew high, she flew low, she meandered in the open sky, she landed in the thickness of brush. And the whole time, Leo is sneaking up slowly so as not to scare the butterfly. His face, his eyes are filled with wonder as he takes in this exquisite color that has moved and landed upon, in so many places upon our ordinary day in this extraordinary time. May the Holy Spirit give us eyes to see and ears to hear the risen Jesus Christ moving and lingering in our midst so that even amid the darkness, especially amid the darkness, the church might be filled with wonder and hope and life. And may we then go and proclaim the beauty our eyes have seen, our ears have heard. That alone would make for a true Easter. Let us pray. Living, risen God, we thank you that you have known the depth of all sin and death and you have overcome their power. We thank you this day and always that you live and that your resurrection life moves unbounded in us, among us, around us. You hold us in life and life eternal. We pray that your resurrection life will be made known in abundance amid the darkness and anxiety so many know this day. We pray for all who are ill, all who are ailing, or dying from from any number of viruses, cancers, diseases, ailments. We pray that they might know your love, your healing, your life holding them and carrying them in this time. We pray especially for those who face death, that they might know the profound comfort in the fact that you have feeded death's power, and with you there is life, and life eternal. 
We pray as well that, that you would equip the scientists, researchers, the nurses, the doctors, and others with, with insight and wherewithal to defeat this COVID-19 and, and that in your freedom you might even bring forth answers to healings regarding yet other diseases and maladies. We pray for all those who are tending to those who are ailing or dying, injured or hurting. We pray that your resurrection life would breathe afresh upon them, body and soul, and so nourish them with with your life in this trying season. We pray that that whenever we, we move out of this season, we return together as a more just society, a more compassionate people. But Lord, we pray simply not for a resuscitation, the old thing just warmed back up. We, we pray for resurrection, for something beautiful and new and just and loving in ways we could not even know to ask for or imagine. In the midst of this, we continue and pray for our national leaders, our local leaders, our for-profit leaders, our non-profit leaders. We pray for all who are in a position to make decisions with implications for others. We pray that they would know an outpouring of your wisdom and compassion, that their decisions would honor and tend lovingly to those who have been entrusted to their leadership. We pray for the most vulnerable, those without a shelter, those without enough food, those without family near or at all, those without a plan B in the bank, those stuck with no recourse for justice, those shuffled back and forth through the system. We pray that you, God of resurrection, would find a way where there looks to be none, that out of the darkness the most vulnerable would know life, And that you would equip your church to have eyes to see and ears to hear those who are most vulnerable, those who are most hurting, that we might, in fact, see and hear you. And help us, your church, love therein. We make our prayer in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.